0: Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Friends Church. This is starting to feel more and more like, I don't want to say it, uh, more and more like maybe September's coming, okay? So uh, that would be all. It's been a great summer, and I hope everyone has been able to make the most of the months here in Alberta. We only have so many. You've got to make the squeeze every minute you get of this nice, beautiful weather. Hopefully, that's been your story. Uh, I'm Jeff. If we haven't met, I see many familiar faces, but I see some new faces too. So just want to say a huge welcome to all of you. Look, I was at a a dinner party um, a while back, and uh, a number of people that I didn't know around the table, we ended up sitting with a few people uh, at, at one end of the table, and introductions were being made, and... You know, normally when I'm in that kind of environment and I don't really know the people and I don't know kind of where they're at with regard to spiritual stuff or whatever, I always like to kind of get on the front end, whoever's going to be inviting me and saying, hey, look, let's not bring up the pastor thing. It can just... And before I could even think about it, hey, there's Jeff and there's Kathy and Jeff's a pastor. And I was like, "Uh," eh? and I was like, oh. I thought, oh boy depending on where these people are at, this could be an awkward evening. And the one there's the one lady she kind of crooked her neck and she went, Pastor. And I I didn't know whether that was a good thing or a bad thing in her mind. She goes, How that's interesting they all say that. Oh, that's fascinating. That's interesting. <laughs> and she says Jeff, could you describe your brand of spirituality? (laughs) And automatically I'm like, oh, this is going to be a long night. I can just feel it. So, and I'm always guarded when someone, she said, you know, describe your brand of spirituality of your church or whatever. And I'm always a little nervous when I start talking for everyone in our community. Friends Church is a very diverse community. you got people that are coming in with no spiritual background. you got some that came from huge amounts of spiritual background and um, a very traditional set. So there is all kinds of bandwidth of spiritual belief and practice, even within a, com- a community like ours. So I get nervous when I speak for our whole community. So I, I said, well, uh, that's a difficult question. We're kind of a unique community, but I will speak for myself. I said, I am a follower of Jesus. This is how I would describe myself. I'm a follower of Jesus within the Judeo-Christian Tradition, and I thought maybe that would be technical enough to ward her off of any further questions. <laughs> and she'd go, "Oh, neat!" And then we'd move on. But she went, "Hmm." So, so you're a Christian? And I said, "Well, it depends on what you mean by Christian." Because Christian can be an interesting word, can't it? It can mean a lot of different things depending on who you're talking to. You know, it's not lost on me that Christianity as a religion hasn't had the greatest reputation nor the best track record with those who sit outside its walls, It's not lost on me that Christianity as a religion has some black eyes. If you go, if you start looking very far back into history, a lot of terrible things have been done in the name of Christianity. And I'm reminded of that often by people who have had some really bad and rough chapters with the church You know, some some people say, oh, I know, I know your type. You know, perhaps this is what Gandhi was referring to when he said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. This is why I'm always a little nervous when someone says, are you Christian? I go, mm, What do you mean by that specifically? And I asked this lady, I said, How would you define Christian? She says, Oh, well, someone who doesn't swear, drink, smoke, isn't allowed to do those things. Kind of a tricky relationship with sex. She was kind (laughs) of pretty defined as she was talking about. She goes, But she said, You guys believe you're going to heaven, you're not going to hell if you're a Christian go to church, you pray. I went, huh, that's a Christian, hey? Yeah, I don't know if I would identify strongly with those characteristics. I said, I would probably focus on some different parts of what I would view the Judeo-Christian tradition. So she says, so you're not a Christian? I said, well, that's tricky. I just feel more comfortable being called a follower of Jesus. You know, that's the weird thing. I, uh, though I break out in hives around that word Christian, I am very happy. I am enthusiastic to talk about the impact, the influence that this guy named Jesus has had on my life. The, his stories, his life what it seems he represented, the things that it seems he valued in the stories that we have of him. I will talk all day with someone about that stuff. It's this label Christian that I struggle with. You know, sometimes around here, I, I'll speak for myself, I end up talking a lot about the modern spiritual influences, the authors, the researchers, the different voices of this age that have written and 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 thought deeply and have crafted ways to describe their spiritual journey that have resonated with me. I'll I'll talk about all kinds of different people, and you've heard them. I'll talk about science and researchers and uh, all, but I find myself often not really. Telling this story of probably one of the greatest influencers of my life, that being this guy named Jesus. This morning, I want to revisit some of the reasons why that is. I want to tell you a few things that are wrapped up in my why. Why it is that I would consider myself an unabashed, ardent follower of Jesus. And uh, what it is about this tradition that has kept me in it. I want to be clear. I'm I'm not here to convert you. If you go, oh, great, man, I came out to this church thinking this was a departure from kind of (laughs) truth. This is your first morning going, oh, great, here we go. I'm not here to convert anyone, in fact. I just want to get you thinking deeply about the dominant individuals or teachings or stories that are shaping you, that really have shaped your life and your spirituality, that have helped you make decisions along your way, that would have in some way defined what you mean by spiritual, spirituality, the journey, and get you thinking about, well, if this has been your, your influence. Are you living true to that? Is that actually how you're doing this? I'm hoping this morning as I talk about my rationale for following Jesus, that you will consider who it is you're following and how it's going for you. Because it's easy to lose a point. It's easy to kind of lose our way, to start off on this journey going, man, this message, this idea, this philosophy, this teaching, it resonates so deeply. And then within a short amount of time, life happens and you kind of start drifting, forgetting, getting caught up. Life takes over. And what originally was the source of meaning and purpose and direction becomes kind of a neat idea. It's funny how many times I'll talk to people and they'll say, well, I know what I believe. And I go, I don't care what you believe. What is it you're living? Because those things can be very disparate, can't they? I remember someone saying I'm they were speaking about someone who who they'd lost faith in because their message seems so disparate from how they're living. They said, I'm sorry, I can't hear a word you're saying because your actions are speaking so loudly. That's Gandhi's quote, isn't it? uh, I've had some crazy experiences. Years ago, I was a youth pastor at a church that was known for hosting these big church conferences. And uh, they would bring in kind of the spiritual rock stars, for lack of a better term, just people that were big authors, musicians in the Christian world. These were... Yeah, you'd see them in kind of the Christian magazines. You know, they were big they were big authors. You'd see them at the bookstores. Anyways, we'd have this big conference. These people would roll in, and thousands of people would come and listen to these people pontificate for four to six days. My role as a youth pastor was often going and picking these people up at the airport, caddying them around, spending time with them, doing whatever it was they needed to do off while they were not at the conference doing their thing. And over that time, man, I would see them in all kinds of different places. I would watch these people who were like the Christian Jedis, you know? And I remember, man, picking them up. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm driving this guy around. And I was so excited to be able to see the way that they lived and talked. I was so excited to be able to glean stuff from their lives. But there were moments when what I watched was something so contradictory. I'd watch how they would talk to the bellhop at the hotel. The waitress was serving us. This one time, I. We were going to do a bunch of sound checks, and I had this artist with me. I, and it was during the day. It was before everything was supposed to happen that evening. We needed to do a bunch of sound checks. He goes up on the stage. I, and our main sound guy, who was going to be doing everything that evening, wasn't able to be there. He was a volunteer. He's still working. And I brought in a, another volunteer, not as well trained, but he was going to cover the sound check. I introduced them. I go running into the office and I'm doing a bunch of stuff, and I come back into the auditorium, and I'm watching this musician-artist, well-known, talking in such a condescending way to that sound person, just talking to him like he's a little kid, belittling him. As soon as I walked in, I was like, who, what is going on, our sound man was up in the balcony where the sound I'm just like oh my god what is going on I go running up into the balcony and here's this sound person he is just red he is he like you can see the tears in my, he is just so embarrassed and I'm running to him I can't get to him quick enough to be able to sort out what was going on and he just starts apologizing he says I'm so sorry I'm so sorry I'm like hey 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 it's okay it's okay it's okay I remember looking down at this guy, and the anger in me was like, what is your problem? How can you be who you are, carrying the flag, representing something of this faith, and treat people like that? I would have these experiences, and it was so disillusioning to me. I just, I just thought, if this is what all, if these are the people that are leading this movement, they are the ones representing, waving the flag, saying, follow us, I think I need out. I shared a couple of weeks ago I came to this breaking point where I just went, I, I'm losing faith in this thing and I think either I just got to get out or I got to search for something different that looks something similar to what I thought this was about. I was looking for something that looked like the way of Jesus I want to just talk about that for this, this morning. There were th- I want to talk about three things specifically that I think are hallmarks. When someone says, what do you mean by that? I want to share three things that have stood out to me that just reek of credibility of this movement. Three things that I love about the Jesus movement. First thing probably one of the most compelling characteristics of the way of Jesus, is how radically inclusive he was. Now, despite what many of you may have experienced in certain Christian circles, certain religious circles, Jesus was one of the most inclusive spiritual voices I've encountered. There are many stories that would illustrate this. Probably one of the greatest is this guy named Matthew Levi. He's he's such a dodgy character in the Bible. He's a he's a tax collector. Tax collectors in that day were known for being fraudulent. They would they would extort people for money. They didn't really care. They were just greedy and they had such power. They could literally force someone to pay incredible amounts of money that would literally bankrupt them. They would lose their farms and their property at the hands of these tax collectors. But this guy named Matthew Levi had been watching Jesus. He had been listening to him as he was talking to crowds. And something about what Jesus was talking about had so captivated him, he just kept listening and and following Jesus around. One day he approaches Jesus and says, Jesus, would you come to my place? I'd love for you to come out and be my guest at my home. I'd like to throw a little party. We'll have some nice food. This was never something that a rabbi would do. A Jewish rabbi hanging out with a tax collector, uh uh-uh. But Jesus said, I'm there. Bring it. What can I bring? Beer, wine, what do we got going on? I don't know what he would have offered, but Jesus and his posse show up and there is Matthew with all his buddies. And this would have been an unsavory group. We know that because the story says that the spiritual leaders, the Pharisees, and the teachers of religious law found out that Jesus was hanging with this crew and they pulled aside some of Jesus' followers complaining bitterly it says you know what they you know what they asked they said why do you eat with such and drink with such scum unsavory characters we don't do that here there is a line we draw this is our spiritual community we don't mix with them you know that and Jesus says I do He made a practice of befriending and including people who were considered off-limits, unspiritual, unclean, spiritually disqualified, investing in his time and energy with people who were always outside the spiritual ropes, never allowed in. You saw it, and I mean, it wasn't just tax collectors. This guy, he banded around the the woman who was caught red-handed in adultery, brought her close, said, hey, 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 hey." it's okay. We're going to figure this out here. He reached out to those who were leprous, leprosy, this incredibly contagious skin disease, so contagious they would have leper colonies that were far outside the town. People couldn't mix and mingle with them. Jesus went to the lepers. It was the ultimate rule-breaking in terms of the line. You don't, as a spiritual person, you never mix with someone unclean like a leprous person. He hung out one time with a prostitute. A prostitute came in, and, and Jesus just broke it People would be sitting there going, do you know who this woman is? He's like, mm-hmm. Hello? Hello? He goes, and one day he's at the well, and a Samaritan woman who represented, she was a part of the Samaritan race. Jews never had anything to do with Samaritans. And yet there was Jesus striking up a conversation with a Samaritan woman. It even blew her away. She's going, why are you a Jew talking to even talking to me? If you look at almost every category Jesus could find of people that sat on the other side of the ropes, he was going, come on, let's talk. Come close. He showed that it didn't really matter what category you fit in. The spiritual journey was accessible. If you look at all the stories of his interactions... You can't help but see the most beautiful invitation that he offered to anyone who is open to hearing. He said, come on in. Come join us. People are going. He said, no, 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 come on in. Pull up a chair. Pull up a chair for Mary here. I don't know what this means to you, but for me personally, it means a lot. Um... Like, I was raised in heavy traditional religion, Christianity. But my parents divorced when I was five. And it was such a traditional religious environment, but man, to have a divorce, that was big. I didn't know it as a kid. We were young. But I remember the day that we stopped attending a church, and I had no idea why. My mom didn't tell me at the time. I found out years later that it was, it, it was shortly after the divorce was announced. And all of a sudden, my mom was kind of viewed as this pariah. All these married couples that they were friends with all of a sudden didn't know what to do with mom. And she said it was just the weirdest thing. The phone just stops ringing. You get moved onto a different list. Somehow you're not accepted and invited into the community the way you were when everything was good between you and my dad, or your dad and I. Over the years of being involved in religion, I've heard a million stories of different people's brush with some kind of checker in their past, some some kind of bad thing that went down in their family. And all of a sudden their status in the community changed. And what once felt like this radically inclusive community all of a sudden, mm, it felt different. If you've ever been the person who was left off the guest list or pushed to the outside or treated like a second rate citizen, somehow not good enough in some way, you can probably appreciate this radical inclusivity that Jesus so modeled. And I'm telling you, I believe firmly that if Jesus was walking here today, I think he would look at many of the categories that right now there are wars being waged over. LGBTQ for one of them. I think Jesus would be right in the middle of them going, I don't get that. What's the problem? No, no, welcome. Come on, come on in. Come on in. You pick, pick, your, pick your problem, pick your label, pick your issue in your life. What I see of Jesus in terms of all the different ways that he broke the boundaries, I don't think there's one that he would be holding up in today's day, saying, oh, no, okay, them, no. I can't see it. If you look at the roots of Christianity and the story of Jesus, this was never meant to be a rich white man's religion that seems only compatible for a North American or First World population. In this movement, in the Jesus way, anyone, regardless of their socioeconomic status, their race, their sexual orientation, their personality type, their dodgy past or their moral failures, their marital status, their political bent, it didn't it didn't matter. Jesus saying, kick the doors open, let's go. You're welcome. At its core, the way of Jesus was as inclusive as anything I've seen. That, that lights me up. I just go, man, I, I appreciate that there aren't this, this big, high, there isn't this big high wall that s- someone has to climb over in terms of the, the criteria of their life to be able to be welcomed in. Because if that was the case, I would have never been allowed remember one time I was a youth pastor. Someone had approached church, having heard of my family's divorce status and everything, and they questioned whether I should be allowed to pastor kids because of my parents' marital status. I had some choice words for them under my breath. (laughs) So when someone asked me, they you know, when we, when we said Friends Church is a place for people who don't fit church, we're frickin' serious. We mean that. Because there's a lot of people that say, hey, man, I, I don't belong in church. I go, I beg to differ. This is why we hold so deeply this value of of the unique spiritual journey. You've heard us, and if you've been around for a while, we talk about this value. We hold it dear. We say it this way. We respect each person's unique spiritual journey. We recognize not everyone's journey begins at the same point, with the same experiences or beliefs. In fact, we believe that no two people's journeys were ever meant to look the same. So this approach, this value of a unique spiritual journey, it requires a personal investment. It requires you to be thinking about where it is you're going on this journey. We're not, this isn't about absolute conformity. Everyone has to look the same. No one can look like this. No one can come from this back. No, 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 no. No, we're all coming from different places. And what is right for you right now in this time might look different than this person over here. So everyone's got to be invested. Don't expect us to be telling you what your next move is. You've got to have a skin in the game. You've got to be thinking about this thing. But in so doing so, we will honor your choices and your decisions and trust that the divine is guiding you like they're guiding me. I don't want in and out lists where we list a statement of beliefs and say, well, if you can believe all these different things, well, come on in. But if you disagree with this, if you disagree with any one of these beliefs, we'll point you to another church. You know, I love the celebration of diversity that we can have and how it inspires curiosity and respect toward those who are different from us. And in fact... If there's one thing that I use as a warning signal, something that should be setting off alarms, it's when my curiosity about how someone is different from me starts dropping. When someone starts saying, oh yeah, I I don't know if I quite see it that way, Jeff. And I start turning away. When I start closing off, when I start judging people. And I'm going to tell you this. This applies especially in my attitude even toward those who I once was a part of. My old tradition, because I tell you sometimes, and you've you've heard it probably from me, sometimes I've resented where I came from or I've struggled with parts that I once was a part of. Part of this open, this radically inclusive place that I believe Jesus was calling us me to requires me to even look at those who are part of my old tradition and say, I need to remain open to that because I can learn from that still too. And I can brace them too. If there's one, okay. Unique spiritual journey, radical inclusivity, that is one that I go, man, if, if you would to ask me what Jesus stood for, that would be one biggie. Another thing that I, that I think Jesus was about that just lights me up was how authentic and transparent his style and way of spirituality expressed itself and what he asked for from his people. If there's one thing that Jesus hated, it was fakes. One pointed time, he looked at some religious teachers, and he had hard words for them. It says you're, he said you're hopeless. Looked them right in the eyes. He said you're hopeless. In fact, you're frauds. You're like manicured grass plots, grave plots, grass clipped and flowers bright. Six down, six feet down, it's all rotten bones and worm eaten flesh. People look at you and they think you're saints. But beneath that skin, you're total frauds. You know, in the in the Jewish tradition, they had developed so many laws that they believed if they could just follow all these laws to the letter, that it would have, it, 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 it would grant kind of a return of the kingdom of, the, of their savior coming back and they'd be restored. Everything was about following these rules, but there were so many. And it, it became so oppressive that the average person just could not follow all the rules. And in fact, this I think is what Jesus is calling out. He's going, You have made this so impossible that people feel the weight, the burden of this religion, and it's breaking their backs. And he said, what's worse is, you're pretending you can do it, and you're not. He said, the game is up. I can see right through it, and I know you're not who you're saying you are. He said, you're hypocrites. You're saying one thing and doing another. It's the Gandhi thing. You're claiming to be something, but man, you sure don't look like that. I um, I had this moment um in years ago in in the tradition that I grew up in. What would happen was at, after the music would kind of the kind of the general singing would finish we would have this time of prayer. And it was a time when the pastors and their wives would come up and they would stand. There was kind of like these stairs that would lead down. We'd, we'd stand kind of down on the front here and people would come up and ask for prayer. And it was just something that routinely happened. And no one would ever say it, but it was kind of this implied sense that as pastors... We kind of had our stuff together, you know? And so we don't need the prayer, but we will pray for you because you kind of need it, you know? And uh, it, it was so woven in the culture. It was just what we did, and we didn't even think twice. But we didn't have our stuff together as pastors. And this one particular time, over the weekend, Kathy and I, my wife and I, we were fighting. We were fighting pretty bad. It was bad. And that morning, I left early. I didn't say goodbye. In fact, I hadn't really even talked to Kathy much the night before. And you don't think about all the implications. But there came the time in the service when everyone is coming up to stand with their wives to pray for people, of course. And I just walk up and assume my position as a pastor who's going to help the flock And I'm waiting for Kathy to join me. And all the other wives are kind of moving into position. I'm like, okay, Kathy. (laughs) I know we weren't speaking last night, but this is no time to be doing this. And Kathy was somewhere out there. I didn't know where she was, but she's looking at me going, "Uh uh-uh. Not faking this. She was looking at me and she's saying, You know as well as I do that this is bullshit. So she didn't. And I went sat down. And in my mind, I'm going, oh man, I'm gonna give it to her. Completely missed the point. Lost my way. We had a big chat over that one. She said, this is, this is bullshit Jeff. We're pretending. This isn't right. I tell that story often, because um, I find it funny just how bad that, that whole thing went down, but man, it is a stiff reminder at how easy it is to get caught up in something where you start pretending. I have been one of those hypocrite Christians I have talked out of one side of my mouth while doing something else. And I hated myself for it. And I don't want to be a part of that. And I'm not saying that that's all that was going on there. There are many good people that were part of that tradition, and, and, and they were doing good things, and it was helping. But I know part of that, and as a result, you know, we made some changes. When we started Friends Church, we said, we're, no, we're not faking. No more presenting ourselves like we've got this thing figured out. We're not gonna just tell you our success stories and how it is that we do things that work so well. And maybe you can learn from the Jedi's up here. If you've been around long enough, you know you've heard enough to know that I am not better than one person in this room I've shared my struggles man I've and not because I'm I think I'm a loser not because I think I'm blowing it all the time no I think because I'm human and I think we're all human that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. You know, one day Jesus, he was actually at that well talking to that Samaritan woman. And she's like so into what he's saying. She's like, I, I, I don't know what you're about, but I want it. And he says, go and get your husband. She says, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. You don't. You've been married five times. And now you're living with number six. You can read that a lot of different ways, but when I read that story, it's like, she's like, holy crap, how did you know that? Some people make a big deal about the fact that you... I look at that and I go, I think Jesus wasn't asking for perfection. He was just asking for honesty. He's asking for transparency, vulnerability. Just, just shoot straight. Just be honest. Can we start there? Can we just be honest with each other? Can we have a community that doesn't have to get all sterilized when we walk into church on Sunday and say, mm-hmm. smile? Put on our Sunday best. Can we, can, we, can we just walk in and be ourselves? Even if right now you're in the middle of chaos, can you just be okay with that? And could we as a community be okay with that, no matter where we each are at any given time? That's what I love about the message of Jesus. I go, man, this guy was all about just saying, I don't need you to be perfect, but man, let's start with you just being honest. Let's not be the hypocrites. Let's talk. over the last number of years. Man, this is so counterintuitive, isn't it? I remember the the first times. Now it's over 20 years ago. I admitted on a Sunday of a problem I had with porn. And I remember at the time when I admitted that. (gasps) The gasp. I thought, oh, jeez, they're going to think I'm some kind of pervert. and, And that'll be it. Instead, you don't know how many people my days were filled with talking to about their own challenges and issues. People said, man, if you can be honest about that, okay, let me tell you what I got going on. And hey, we got a problem here. And it was just like, all of a sudden, people just started being real. It's counterintuitive. Over the last number of years, so thanks to even people like Brene Brown, we're learning that This is all consistent with some of the most modern research. The vulnerability, the ability to not have to fake, not have to be something you're not, just be honest and open. How that changes everything. Jeez. Okay. Melts the shame, builds connection, builds a, a community that can heal. You ask me why I love Jesus so much, man, I'm telling you, that guy reeked of that. Last thing I'm going to talk about is longevity. And this more speaks to the movement, the Jesus movement. I watched a little while ago a Netflix documentary called Wild, Wild Country. I don't know if you've heard of this. Anyways, true story. Controversial Indian cult leader. Moves into Portland, or actually into Oregon. The Oregon Desert. Oregon Desert. And this is crazy. I'd never heard about this. But they buy up 80,000 acres of land, and they start this movement, and it explodes. This is in the late 60s, early 70s. People end up coming from all over North America to be a part of this movement. This guru sits on a stage like this, and thousands, from A-listers right down to down-and-outers, showing up, sitting on the floor, learning from these different spiritual leaders. This thing garnered national news and attention. It became so big, they were building their own airstrip, hospitals, grocery stores on their land. They took over the town, appointed their own mayor. But within a very short amount of time, it was like this phenomenon rose and fell. So much so that like in my lifetime this thing happened and it was considered like this massive movement. And it was the first time I'd ever heard of it when I watched this Netflix documentary. I'm like, that only happened like not that many years ago during my lifetime. And it was massive. And gone. I think about this Jesus movement and how somehow this thing has continued to just resonate and move and creep into every part of our globe. It is no flash in the pan movement. It began in Israel thousands of years ago. Somehow it survived massive upheavals, the greatest empires of the world. It survived world wars that had been waged. While many systems and beliefs and philosophies, great ideas have come and gone, somehow the Jesus movement just keeps steaming ahead, captivating people. I recognize that as a Jesus follower, I'm a part of a spiritual tradition that has stood the test of time. And I may not be proud of some of the dark chapters of Christianity's past, but I'm telling you, I can say there are millions and millions of people who have been inspired to live in a more inclusive, a more authentic and vulnerable way, a less judgmental way that has embraced and connected and helped and healed people. All because of the life and this teaching of this guy named Jesus. I know I haven't bought into a fad. This isn't some as seen on TV sham wow or Thigh master commercial. There's something deeper and wider. I had a kick looking up some of that stuff. There's something deeper and wider about all of this. Isn't there? And it continues to resonate to this day. And I know this. i told people, I said, whether I'm a pastor years, or whether I was to quit tomorrow and do something else, the way of Jesus has captivated me. I will forever be one. I, I think I will forever be one because this way of Jesus just makes so much sense. It doesn't make my life better in terms of easier. It's not like it makes all the problems go away. But I'm telling you, it is a way of life that has not just changed me and my relationships. It is is capable of changing our world. That's why I do this. That's why when you're sitting here on Sundays and we talk about the way of Jesus and living like Christ in our world, there is a deep reason why we do that. We're part of this tradition. Now, let me just say this you do not have to subscribe to these beliefs, this way of Jesus, to be a part here. In fact, If you're tied into some kind of belief that leads to a better world and a better you, I'd love to learn about it. But I just hope you're doing it. Because what we don't need are the disconnects. We don't need people saying their one thing and then doing something else. We need the congruity. We We need spiritual lives that truly look and taste and feel like something beautiful, don't we? as much as I hate the, the truth of that Gandhi quote, it fuels me to live in such a way. People won't in good conscience be able to say that about me. That's what, I, that's, that's what I use that for. It calls me home. So maybe maybe today this message is a reminder of perhaps you are following the same tradition as me. And for these very reasons or and more, you believe in this way of Jesus, awesome. If perhaps you're here this morning, you're going, no, that's not really me, but I, you're thinking deeply about the, the things that have shaped and, 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 and pushed and influenced your life to live a more, in a more spiritual way. I pray that you will think deeply about just how seriously you're taking that. May you make it, take a step this week toward that. Just like I'm gonna try to. It's so my prayer for you. All right, I'm done. Thank you for joining us this morning at Friends Church. I hope, uh, I hope that we'll all put an end to this, this Gandhi thing, huh? Like, I, I'm tired of that. I hate that quote. And I, I think <laughs> it's a stiff reminder. I just don't like it being said about my people, right? So let's not let it be said about us. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next week.